Hello, my name is Justice, and I'm the CEO of 24-7 Teach. Welcome to the Education is Broken, and we are here to fix it podcast. I'm joined by my partner and co-host. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, everyone. My name is Dave Furness, and I'm the Senior Vice President of Marketing here at 24-7 Teach. And as always, it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. All right, Dave, and our guest. Hi, uh, thanks again for having me, Justice and David. My name is Andrew. I am uh, one of the newest instructional design superstars at 24-7 Teach. I uh, had a background in education, taught for two and a half years in Canada at a bring-your-own-device school, which kind of is a regular school, but all the students do their work on devices, phones, tablets, laptops. And then I just recently graduated with a master's degree in the Learning Design and Technology Program from San Diego State University. Got it. Well, definitely welcome to the team and welcome to our podcast. The topics that we want to talk about today will definitely cover cell phones and really just overall smart device usage in the classroom. How can it be used for positive purposes? and how, in some cases, it's actually becoming a major detriment to learners. So those are some of the topics that we want to talk about this afternoon. And, okay, let's get started. So all of us have looked at recent research that has said that cell phones contribute to failing grades and are detrimental to learning for certain groups of learners, correct? Have you all seen that? Yes, we've all uh, definitely seen those articles and journals, yep. Yeah, Yeah. but we also know that having a smart device really opens the door to learning. It opens up multiple opportunities to learn whatever you want, however you want, whenever you want. And the question is, how come we're not utilizing those devices in that way, and how are we letting these devices become the detriment? What do you think, guys? As being in a classroom, I found that it is a duality. There's there's good times and bad times where you can use tech, and, you know, my personal opinion on the matter is that it's, it's a tool. And you, it can create a very powerful lesson. It can be extremely engaging, but we've—I think all three of us have noticed there's a lot of tools out there that aren't well designed, so the students aren't really learning. So I think at the end of the day, it's the—it's the pedagogy and the engagement of the students that is the most valuable thing. The technology can ramp it up and and make it a lot more interesting and modern. But if the lesson's no good, it doesn't matter if it's on a chalkboard or given out through Google Classroom or a new LMS. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you there. I think it's um, <clears throat> almost, I guess, taking it to a bit of a higher level. I've always said that, again, in, in so my degree was in history and politics, and the the general, like, the facts and figures involved with history right now are almost redundant because... There's no point in me remembering who the 13th Queen of England was or who the 32nd President of the United States is because I can do a a Google search with a little box that's in my pocket and in two seconds have the answer. So 
I think technology is a good thing. It should be embraced with with open arms because it does break, break down a lot of barriers. You know, years ago when you would have had to go to a library, get out the thesaurus or get out the encyclopedia to research something, we all now have that in our pocket. So that's a fantastic tool which we, we should embrace. However, the problem is in the classrooms when it's been used as a distraction. Like there's no, you know, you could be teaching history and politics and guess what? You know, Shakespeare didn't have Snapchat, so there's no need to be using Snapchat in the lesson. You know, there's no need to be using Instagram. I think there's going to be an element of social media detriment um, with with smartphone usage and tablets. I think that is where, I think that's where the, the split is here. There's, with dedicated apps and dedicated websites where the technology can be utilized for a, for a a, a good purpose in the classroom to aid learning to to aid the application of knowledge that's a good thing if there is almost like no blocks no restrictions and children left up to their own devices to you know browse websites and facebook and snapchat and instagram and whatever then all of a sudden that's just distracting from their purpose of being in the classroom yeah i agree I've been in a few classrooms recently and firsthand just seeing how a cell phone, particularly a smartphone, can cause distractions for learners as well as educators. And here's an example. If you're teaching a student, you're giving them the information, and you've also given them an exit ticket to complete, so you're basically fostering their their understanding of comprehension through this assignment, through this exit ticket. And in the middle of them completing the exit ticket, they get a notification from Snapchat or Instagram or a text message. Mm -hmm. And they're stopping their work. They're stopping the mental exercises that they're using to learn and retain the information to look at this message. And the anticipation of getting the message is also causing a distraction to the point where you're having a start and stop, a start and stop mentality to learning. And that hinders retention. That hinders the learning process. And it really makes the teacher and makes that learning opportunity ineffective. So what do we do there? What's happening there? Well... One thing we we talked about a little bit before was I I wish when I was teaching Apple had come out with that do not disturb button it shuts your notifications off altogether but you can still use your phone use your calculator use whatever you need to there's there's little buttons now and little updates to the you know the operating systems that can kind of eliminate those notifications but at the end of the day, it's you're not going to go around and click 30 buttons on 30 phones. And even then, you know, like there's teachers who take all the phones at the start of class. You can still send messages on iPods and your tablets and everything nowadays. It's all connected together. So it's it's kind of a tricky, tricky balance because those notifications are coming from all directions. You know, it could be a spam email that had nothing to do with anybody and it just takes your attention for that split second. So it's a, it's a fair critique of phones in the classroom that they're, 
you know, they're the main point of contact between people now. So they're getting beeps and buzzes and information all the time. So I think that's a fair critique. Yeah, and I would I would go on to say that there's studies that show the classrooms and schools that do not allow cell phones uh, during the day, those students actually outperform students that are allowed to have those things. So that's with, that's the interesting point. That I saw that point come up a couple times in the articles we read yesterday and it's it's true you know it can be distracting but i would always i always tried to fight fire with fire if if you don't want your students using their phones for bad things get them to use it for good things you know it uh and it can be as simple as just you know instead of giving the document of notes pre-prepared and just sharing it with them through google drive get them to type it out and even if that seems you know, simple and a waste of time. Well, it's an opportunity to teach 21st century skills like tabbing, formatting, bullets, you know, how to use a word processor. And that starts as early as you want it to. And it, it is a 21st century skill that kind of slips through the cracks because we still do all our handwriting and spelling, which is important. I'm not trying to minimalize that at all. But, you know, getting them to use their devices in a way that just gets them involved in the lesson prevents them from using it in a negative way. And you're, you know, inadvertently teaching these 21st century skills that they do need going forward. Got it. So Andrew, would you suggest as a routine, you would have a classroom educator tell all of their learners, their students to turn on the do not disturb, uh, function on their phone uh if if i had that available to me it it yeah you could kind of create a a routine with them like if you're sitting down if you're using your device for me it was you just you have to turn it off like if i hear it beeping or buzzing if you're using it just turn the the notifications off and when i was teaching about four or five years ago we didn't have that quick do not disturb so they had to go in and turn off the sound or the vibration, things like that, to try and limit the distraction. But those mm -hmm. notifications would still pop up. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of a prompting, a routine. Like, if you're going to be using your device, now is it time to turn it off or turn off the notifications, and then we can get started. Okay. And so you were trained or you have experience where you were able to use those devices in your classrooms with your students for a very positive nature that encouraged the usage, but also was very efficient and effective with learning. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I taught at a, my hometown school, Gibbon School up in Alberta, Canada. And it was a, a pilot program for the Sturgeon School Division. Um, the school was technically a, a bring-your-own-device school. So all the students had a laptop or a tablet or, you know, if they forgot it at home, they could use their phone in a pinch. And there were programs for the less advantageous families to get a, a device supplied, but there certainly wasn't enough for, 
for everyone. So it, there were some struggles with parents having to buy devices. And once they saw the first group of grade sixes go through the program and, you know, the first two weeks in September when we start up, it was digital literacy. It was, mm. you know, teaching word processing, going through websites, blogs, Wikipedia, and looking for genuine information, um, how to use Google Scholar, how to you know, format a document, write an email instead of writing a letter. So there's lots of little 21st century skills that we started with at the year. And then everything would kind of flow together. And, you know, you wouldn't have to stop and teach them how to open a document. Or, you know, we would, like, for years and years, we'd have to teach them organization. But they didn't have binders anymore. So we would have to mm -hmm. teach them how to organize folders and subfolders and put their assignments in their assignments folder. And we would have, through Google Classroom, we'd have hand-in and hand-out folders. Mm -hmm. So I, I would share a folder from my drive with them, and I would just drop the assignment into the handouts folder and just let them know, all right, guys, it works in the handouts folder. Go and find it. And, you know, after a month, you could prompt students really quickly with where to find things and where to put them and, it eliminated the students who lose their work. You know, I, so, I was just literally going to say, I love this so much because there's no more, yeah, oh, I lost the worksheet. Oh, no, yep. you know, I, can't, yeah, I exactly. can't find it. I never got it. You know, it's like, oh, you've just yep. reduced, you know removed that it. whole thing. Yeah. Exactly. So it was, uh, especially when you're teaching grade six, some of them can be a little forgetful. You know, they're getting up in the morning, this or that. Mm -hmm. or, but even... You know, the students who try and bend the rules and get around it, they uh, they can't because they can't lose the assignments. Like, well, it's tough. You know where it is. It's blank. You're going to have to do it again. But, you know, it's organization. So and and nowadays that is that is an important skill because, you know, the world's going paperless and we all need to learn how to organize all this digital information, whether it's your email inbox or a Google Drive or whatever. So it was... Uh, it was very interesting, and it was very different, and we had a lot of practice in changing up curriculums and lessons and exams and assessments, but we had a lot of really, really great support from administrators and the division, and they, they gave us that breath to, to try things that may not work just to see what's, what's capable. And there's lots of really great strategies, but you kind of see the duality of it. There's good and bad. Um, but uh, honestly, it's it's much much more tilted onto the good side because it's it opens up the whole world of possibilities. You know, you don't have to use your imagination. You can get a set of Google Cardboard little fold-up virtual reality headsets for pretty cheap, and then you can send your kids to wherever you want in the world. And so there's there's so much opportunity with it to close your doors from it. I think it's just a little irresponsible hmm. yeah no I, I, I totally yeah I'm totally sold on it and I, I, it's so refreshing to hear uh, that this was and this was the school up in Canada right because I've never heard of this here in the UK um, yeah it was it was where I taught in Canada um, and it like I said I came in there on the second year of the pilot program so they had already mm -hmm. kind of cut their teeth and had a lot of the growing pains before i yeah. showed up and it was more just 
trying new things and developing the new curriculum and seeing what works and what doesn't. And honestly, the students would let you know right away. They, if something wasn't working, you could pick up on it really quickly. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you can, you know, you'd make your little notes on your lesson plan and edit it for next time. Or, you know, when another teacher's trying it, you can help them and say, well, these were the problems I had and here and there. But yeah, you know, once you start working with it, you realize all the the good material that's out there. Like yeah. I was saying with Google Cardboards or like, mm-hmm. you know, R- Remind 101 is an awesome service that sends out reminders to their devices from your device. It's almost like they receive a text message. Yeah. But it's the, the Remind 101 app and parents can sign up for it. Students can sign up for it. Anybody can. There's just a classroom code, and then everybody's in the same loop. You know, you're not telling telling the students, uh, this is the assignment it's due on Thursday, and by the time they get home, it's a different assignment that's due on Monday. (laughs) So it it keeps the whole community on the same page. And you just realize all these awesome tools that are readily available. so so much great software there these days. There really is. Um, Mm -hmm. What was it like with regarding parents? Did it take a lot of... Because, again, thinking there's a generational shift. Like Obviously, children today and and youngsters and teenagers we've got right now, they're sold on smartphones, tablets. They've grown up with them. Um, You know, so to them, it's going to be... You know, I remember seeing... My my four year old godchild work uh, an iPad better than my my parents can. Um, mm. It's that you know they've been brought up with it. But what was it like getting that buy in from the parents? Did was there any sort of restriction there? Was it like we don't want our children on devices so much? I know that's a a common theme with parents at home right now is you know device time and everything else and attention span. Did you meet? Was there much you know, I guess the question, yeah, was there much uh, resistance from parents regarding uh, this this approach? There was. Um, like anything new, there's a little oh, of bit course. of resistance yeah. with it. Um, but you brought up the major concerns. It was screen time. Um, Gibbons is a rural community. You know, there's it's a town of about 1,500, 2,000 people, and then there, everybody else is spread around, spread around acreages and farms around the area. So internet access at home isn't always, it it could be there, but that's debatable. You know, speed is an issue. So if you're giving them an assignment that works well at school, some students just can't do it at home. So having that ability to use um, something like Google Classroom, where you can work offline, and then when you go back online, it updates into your drive automatically was a big help. But it was, yeah, screen time, parents worried about, oh, their penmanship's going to go away, their spelling ability is going to go away. And I was big on it's, it's a tool. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not teaching them primarily with education, but I'm using it to make things better or more efficient or more engaging. Mm-hmm. And I never had a problem answering any questions from parents with their concerns about technology because I'm a big advocate for it in the classroom. Yeah. And I, all it takes is just, you know, hearing their concerns. And once they heard me talk how, well, I have the same concerns. I don't want them to lose their penmanship. I don't want them to lose their spelling skills, but there's ways to do both. You know, you can, you don't have to do every assignment 
on a Word document. You know, you don't have to do every assignment through Google Classroom. It's we're still human beings, and we still need these these physical skills, these social skills that you don't get while working online or digitally. And it's it's just finding that balance. You know, you use the tech when it's advantageous. But if you use it all the time, then it gets taken advantage of. And if uh, it just you got to be careful because the screen time especially for younger kids and students is it's a worry you know so you just you got to balance things and you got to remember that it's a tool at the end of the day yeah you know from my experiences and what i've noticed lately the smart device has really empowered this generation that's in high school and in middle school now to the point where they literally, once they put in headphones, they can zone out and they're on the environment around them and they can focus on what's happening on their cell phone or their smart device. They literally could be in a classroom and be listening to a podcast, listening to music, looking at a video that could potentially be teaching them math or pre-algebra there's so many different things that they could be doing on their smartphone while they are in the classroom and while they're in school that in a sense the way they're consuming what's school and the way they're consuming those experiences that school used to be for us is very different and I'm noticing when you look at kids and they walk through the hallways, they have their headphones, they have their cell phones out, and there's not a lot of communication amongst friends. It's The communication is, here's the Snapchat message I just sent you. I sent you a picture on Instagram. You know, we just did a group FaceTime uh, message a few minutes ago, and, and we have three people that were on the other side of the school, and I'm on this hallway, and it's the smart device is building its own community and environment within itself to the point where it's replacing some of the elements that school delivered and gave to, to learners. And if we don't find ways of how to adapt our learning experiences or our ability to provide learning experiences to them, they're going to surpass us to the point where they're not going to need the traditional idea of school. And for me, I kind of look at it as we're going into the Napster moment of education from a post-secondary standpoint, as well as from a high school standpoint. And when I say Napster, Napster was the first downloadable service for music. And it allowed people to download music for free. It allowed them to consume it with a digital format. And it basically killed the brick and mortar record store industry. And it changed the way the record industry had to operate and provide their products, the music. And we're at that point where this generation of learners are so empowered and so connected to their smart devices that 
I fear if we don't adapt and support them in utilizing those devices and allowing those learning opportunities, like you said, Andrew, that they're going to revolt and say, you know what, I don't need school in this way. I don't need you to learn. Now, obviously, a teacher-student relationship is, is something that technology could never replace. But in a sense, we have to do a better job of being able to support learners with the tools that are readily available to them. And I don't think that's happening, in it, and it's not happening on a large scale. And I think that is a, is a major problem. Well, I think it, it boils down to there's there's so many people trying to take opportunity of this, this kind of ed tech bubble that's happening right now. They're creating resources and maybe they're not really thinking about whether it should or shouldn't be made and they're just making them. And you know, I think having a person on a staff or having somebody there that's been in a classroom or has some sort of training can help develop these materials so they are engaging and educational. And because I remember, you know, one of my first, one of the first lessons I did when I was teaching grade six, there was this website. Uh, I think it was, I don't want to say it was on the NASA website, but there was a, there was a game online where students would go to a planet and back and they kind of had to calculate the amount of, fuel they needed to make a return trip and it was supposed to teach them just about like distances things are in the solar system and let them go they did their thing for 10 minutes and when i asked them questions about what they learned after they were just like oh you don't need that much fuel to go to a planet it's like well okay you kind of missed the point but it's you know it's finding the proper way to give them these materials because you know, it's if it's not educational, it's just kind of a waste of time. It's a game. You know, they're just trying to get it done instead of learning. So it's there's there's lots of stuff out there that's not not great, but it's entertaining. You know, um, but you know, I think there are a lot of resources that have just kind of lost that educational touch to them. I, I really, I, I really. I love hearing that this is this is becoming a thing. Uh, I think it's it's you know it, it totally goes with the podcast title that education is broken. We're here to fix it. It sounds like it's nice to know there's others out there who are fixing this, who who are actually embracing technology and helping prepare learners for the future. Like the fact that uh, you said right at the beginning that. We're actually now teaching children how to format emails, not letters. And you know, because as as that's real. Like I've I can't remember the last time I wrote a letter. I write emails every day. I've I don't remember the last time I got a pen and paper outside writing a letter to someone. Um, right. And this is and let's say there's this there is this disparity right now between is technology good or bad in the classroom. It, we have to go deeper. Like technology isn't the problem; it's the application of the technology which matters. Technology yeah, used, I'd agree with that. Yeah, technology used in the right way to enhance education, to to you know prepare children for the future, 
to further an understanding of technology and how it works in the real world is a good thing. Can it be a distraction? Absolutely. But it can be a distraction in the workplace. I challenge anybody to sit at a desk, uh, you know, work through some spreadsheets with, you know, a phone on the desk pinging every three minutes with text messages, Facebook notifications, Instagram alerts, whatever. It's distracting. It's distracting as hell. Like my phone, unless I'm waiting for a a phone call, is on do not disturb most of the day. And I check Mm -hmm. it on my time, not when the phone dictates. And I think with a few well-placed rules, like <laughs> I was literally for a minute, my mind was wondering, like, I wonder if there's an ability to almost create a, a Faraday cage in a classroom where the teacher has a switch, which would turn off the ability for that phone to receive calls or, you know, for the, for the cell data to work. <laughs> that would be very cool, right? That would be a billion-dollar company if you could. Guys, let's do it. Let's do it now. Um, I was like, that—that that is that solves the problem. If you can, you, yep. that's like a do not disturb button which the teacher controls. And I mean, so my mind wandered a little bit. <laughs> Surely that technology is doable, right? Um, if anybody has figured that out, I'll just take a very small percentage. I'll just show you the idea. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> I need to pattern that justice. Don't let me forget. Um, so yeah, that, but I was, that's what I was thinking. It's like, we need to stop demonizing technology. And yes, there's going to be hurdles with parents, as we've discussed, uh, a generational shift, screen time and all that sort of stuff. I get it. But if there's, the ability for technology to be utilized in a way which enhances education, then I'm all for it uh, because it isn't going anywhere. It's only going to, it's only going to happen more. It's only going to get more ingrained in our society and our culture. Uh, and like I said, I know four and five year olds who are using tablets and, and technology much better than my, my parents and certainly my grandparents are. So I, I should, I don't think we should see technology and smartphones and tablets as the enemy we should just learn to utilize them effectively for the role that we want them to be used for. I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree. And the question is, and really the challenge is how do, how do we provide the training opportunities and the time for training opportunities for teachers? Because all of this can stop based on pedagogy and and how teachers teach and how they could utilize those smart devices to advance learning, but it takes training. And how do you create those opportunities for those teachers, the time, and also the mindset of there's a need for this? How do we create all of that to where teachers are gung-ho and they're well-prepared, well-trained, and can do what we're asking to do with these smart devices? How do we do that? Well, in my experience, I was one of the two kind of grade six teachers who were not really responsible, but kind of spearheaded trying new things. And we were given one one period a week where we were like a tech coach. And I, I spent that that time of the day, I would just go around to teachers and ask them what they wanted to try you know what you got a topic coming up that you want to try and do something new with and just kind of get some ideas from them and then we'd work 
together to create a lesson that they were comfortable with that was new, tried something new. And, you know, I, my students, it was kind of love, hate sometimes because I was trying everything with them. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but they always kind of knew that once a week they were going to get something new. And then I could go back to the other teachers and say, all right, I tried this and this is what's good about it. This is what's bad about it. And, you know, like once a month we'd have our kind of staff meetings and that was our job is to give a little tech update. Like, well, we've, we found this website or this or that. And, you know, sometimes it's just really simple. And even for teachers, you have to get them into it incrementally because some of them have been doing it pen and paper, chalkboard or whiteboard for 25, 30 years, maybe even more. And they're just reluctant to change. They've had success doing it a certain way and it's tough to to say oh to heck with that I'm gonna rip up my lessons and try something new so you just you got to find what's comfortable for the teachers as well because if if they're in over their head the students can smell that they they know and it's just finding something simple so I found a lot of success with science teachers and math teachers. There's an awesome set of simulations on the University of Colorado. It's called FET, but it's spelled with a PH, so it's like physics educational training. So the mm-hmm. University of Colorado FET Simulation Lab, they've made hundreds of different simulations that are subject related. So there's like physics, biology, chemistry, mathematics. And they're all, you can sort them by grade level, whatever. And it's, you can just tell the kids to go there and, all right, open up the, there's one on potential and kinetic energy. And it's just a person going back and forth on a ramp, like a half pipe, a skateboarder. And it shows how the potential and kinetic energies change as they move up and down. And they click a couple buttons, they can change it from a skateboarder to a bulldog, to a race car, to whatever they want and see how everything changes in relation and it's something just as simple as that where the teacher almost doesn't even have to do anything but they're using technology to supplement what they've just taught and that's a good introduction you know it doesn't have to be uh virtual or augmented reality it doesn't have to be this big complex fancy bells and whistles lesson but if there's resources out there that can complement what you're trying to teach Sometimes it's not as difficult as, as it seems. So there's there's a bit of a stigma that it's it's a lot of work to do these things, and sometimes it is, but sometimes it really isn't. And it's it's having the time to to research these things, which unfortunately for teachers, there's not a lot of extra time in the day. So it's I understand that fully. You know, after teaching all day, grading, marking planning for the next day, unit planning, doing whatever, coaching if you have to, you don't want to spend another hour, you know, redesigning another lesson. So it's it, it's tough to get that time of the day, but we found leaning on each other. We were lucky we had a small staff. It was only about 10 teachers. So it was a really tight community where we could lean on each other and throw ideas back and forth. So the situation I was in made it advantageous, but it's, it's scaffolding it, you know, it's starting small and building up and because sometimes you can get lost. There's so much. Yeah. Well, that, no, I think that, that, that surmises everything. 
Yep, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. The 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 problem is right now cell phone usage in the classroom is for the most part becoming a detriment for learners, but there are plenty of ways for it to for us to turn that around to where it can be a great positive versus a great negative. Mm-hmm. And once again, that is the problem that we are here to solve. And I challenge our company, as well as anyone who's listening to this, to say, hey, how can we support educators to understand and actually utilize this technology to support learning and advanced learning in their classrooms? And how can we support our learners to do the same versus fighting it? Because this is an avalanche that it's going to come down hard on us. It's not something we're going to be able to control if we don't align ourselves and, and learn how to utilize the technology and just the new way of learning and the new way that our students are learning. If we don't, if we don't take advantage of that and adapt to them and their needs versus forcing them to adapt to ours. So I think that's the, the biggest takeaway that I got from this conversation and this topic. Yeah, that's that's the way I've always seen it. If if you don't want your students to use their phones in the classroom, then get them to use their phones in the classroom, but do it in a good way. You know, it could be as simple as find a friend in the class, share a Google Doc with them and write a 12-line poem. And they don't even have to sit beside each other. They can work simultaneously on the same Google Doc. You know, it could be getting together, designing a new classroom layout. All right, I'll pick the best one at the end of class. And, you know, you you get them Mm -hmm. to work on their devices so they're not using it as a distraction, right? So sometimes you got to fight a little fire with fire. But uh, (laughs) it's just, you know, you got to be willing to to try something new and you got to be willing to fail at it too because sometimes you have this awesome idea and it flops. But... That happens, too, if you're doing pen and paper lessons. So you can't be afraid of the technology. It's it's always going to be there, and it's always going to keep getting better. So it's it's always good practice to get comfortable with it. Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been, uh, your insight has been uh, priceless with your experience with the, uh, you know, your own device to school thing, your experiences there. So it was Really refreshing to hear that uh, from my point of view. Uh, your insight has been incredible. And, uh, yeah, I really thank you for taking the time to uh, to share that with us today. Uh, Justice, as always, really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to, uh, to come and uh, get involved with this discussion. And, finally, thank you to you listening to this on whichever platform you are choosing to consume your podcast uh, material. Uh, we really appreciate your time and attention. If you want to find out any more about what we stand for here at 24-7 Teach, then head on over to www.247teach, that's 247teach.org, and you'll find out more about what we stand for as a company and what we're trying to revolutionize within the education system. Uh, With that said, we'll catch you guys in the next episode. We'll see you then.